from Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. You got to start somewhere and you want to start somewhere where you know then how to go out and talk to prospects about what you do in a clear, coherent way that matches what they want solved. Today on episode 73 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Deb Zahn. Through her own transition from employee to consultant, Deb learned how important it is to focus on your own business as a consultant and not just focus on providing great results to your clients. There are some basic steps that she discusses in this episode that can have a big impact on your success and happiness as a consultant. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Deb Zahn. Deb is a practicing healthcare independent consultant and the CEO of The Craft of Consulting. She helps accomplished professionals start, build, and grow their consulting businesses and have the lives they most want. She's also the host of The Craft of Consulting podcast, where she interviews other consultants about what it takes to be a profitable consultant, and she interviews clients about what makes them hire or not hire consultants. Deb, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I appreciate being here. Deb, how did you become an independent consultant? Well, I didn't become one as soon as I wanted to. I will say that. So I was in, you know, employed like everybody else for a long time, but had an unrealized entrepreneurial spirit <laughs> that didn't always match. Like I did a great job where I was, but it, it didn't match it. And so there was actually a fork in the road when I was considering sort of what my next career was going to be. And I had an opportunity to become a consultant at a small but growing firm. And I had an opportunity to take this, you know, big job that was offered to me. And I was too afraid of financial insecurity. So I picked the employed job and then I regretted it for two and a half years until somebody showed up who had been in meetings with me and said, I've got this really dicey merger situation. I know you're not a consultant, but I know what you can do. Can you help us? So I was asked to be a consultant before I was one. And I said, yes, and I was able to. So I did it and loved it. And that was my ding, ding, ding. This is what I want to do. So I went back to the firm and said, hey, would you reconsider and ended up joining the firm as a principal in their New York City office. And that's how I started in consulting. And then, you know, fast forward just over nine years later, I went uh, independent. Got it. So when you first became a consultant, you didn't have your own business. You joined another firm. That's right. And I did that in part because, I, you know, I was nervous about financial insecurity. I didn't know that I could do it on my own. I eventually figured out, yes, you absolutely can do that. But I also at that point wanted the camaraderie of also working with others. And the truth is now that I'm independent, I realize, well, you can also build that. So I went to financial security, but still being a consultant to making the leap to independent just about a year and a half ago. And as wonderful as the firm was that I worked for, I, I even wish I had done that sooner. Mm. Well, do you think it would have been harder to have gone straight to independent from employment rather than a stage in the middle where you were a consultant, but with a 
an existing firm. So you had the like the built-in structure, the marketing and sales apparatus was already going, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it was easier actually to make that transition. Now, the the downside is when you work with a firm, they often have non-compete clauses. So the I have an arrangement with my my former firm where I essentially operate as a subcontractor. So it it's easier from the sense of you have some structure, you build up your client base when there's less risk, but there's downsides too. And and if you have a friendly relationship with the firm that you're leaving, then things can work out. If you don't, it's going to be harder to get your own clients afterwards because of the non-compete clauses, all of which are different by different states. But, you know, the reality is if I'd done it at the beginning, if I had built up, you know, financial reserves to be able to withstand the time it took to be able to get clients, I think I could have done it. I just didn't have the confidence to do it at the time. Yeah. I'm also going to guess that more people go straight to independent consulting from employment than have an intermediate step like you had. And when you became independent, how did you then start to become a guru for other consultants? <laughs> well, the helping other consultants actually started at the firm simply because it was a really different firm than than some of the other ones, which is they hired really smart, accomplished folks and said, now, now be a consultant. And there wasn't a lot of structure at the time. Now there's more so in helping them figure out how to effectively do that. Mm -hmm. And at this firm, you didn't get assigned projects. They didn't have people that went out and sold and then a team got put on it. You were responsible as a principal for going out and getting your own business. And when I started, it was relatively new. They had, I think I was like the seventh person in the New York City office. We were not well known in the, you know, Northeast region at all. We were not well known for the work that I did. And there were other firms and and individual consultants that were. And I was responsible for basically going out and getting my own business, as were other consultants. So I struggled definitely at the beginning to figure out how to do that. And then once I learned how, I didn't want other people to suffer. So as new professionals came on and suddenly, in some sense, they were responsible for building their own practice that would support the firm and and support their business. And they struggled and they floundered and they started to make some of the common mistakes that we saw over and over again. So people would invariably say at the firm, hey, you should call Deb. She'll help you figure that out. And when I became independent, I thought, I love helping people in this way. And I've learned a lot about how to do it. And I could probably help more people if I did something like the craft of consulting where I had a variety of ways that I could help folks and you know, work through every imaginable detail from how do you talk about yourself to prospective clients? How do you figure out who prospective clients are all the way through closing the deal and getting repeat and referred business? Mm. So Deb, does that mean that you basically have two businesses? You work as an independent consultant and you also help other consultants learn how to build their own practices. That's right. Yeah. So I'm still two things. I have cut back on the amount of of direct consulting that I do. I still, you know, I have really long-term clients, clients that I've worked with for years who still, you know, want my, need my assistance and I'm happy to provide it. So I've cut back and I'm not taking, you know, on too many new clients 
but I like it because everything's then really fresh. So if I have an example that happens as I'm a consultant, I can immediately apply it to the folks that I'm helping. Mm. Once you started the craft of consulting portion of your business, how did you start to get the word out and build up clients? Yeah, it was, well, I think very similar to your approach and what you've talked about is I, one of the best ways that people have gotten to know me is through a podcast. So I put out a weekly podcast. It's a great way for, you know, folks, I assumed around the country, I now understand that it's actually around the world (laughs) because that's the power of podcasts not just get to know me and get to know the specific things that I can help them with, but also get to know who I am as a person to see if it matches the type of person that they want to get help from. So there's an intimacy to podcasts that has made it a really powerful way to to get known. And then otherwise it's, you know, social media marketing, it's offering free webinars, which is, I think, a great thing for new consultants to do so that people can also get value from you. And then as they get value from you, they get a hunger to get more value from you. Mm. And what would you say are some of the biggest issues that you see new consultants having? Yeah. So the one that I see quite a bit, obviously there's the whole piece of, I, you know, I don't know how to get clients. I don't even know who to reach out to. And when I reach out to them, I don't know what to do. But one of the ones that, that I see quite a bit is if they're independent is pricing. So either underpricing themselves, which I see a lot, and in fact, I see a lot of people think when they start off, they have to do things for free, which if my feeling is, is if you've accomplished good things in the work world, you don't have to do that in most cases. And then the other is picking pricing models that don't support their business and don't support their life goals. And so what happens is people default to billing hourly as if that's the only way to do it. And then they get into a situation where they're working too much, particularly if they underprice themselves, they're not necessarily going to to keep the high level of performance that delivers excellence and attracts more clients. And, you know, the rest of their life suffers because, you know, they underpriced and they're, they're now tied to, you know, their value being described as a unit of time. So those are, those are, big ones that I see. Obviously, everything around business development flows from that, but that's one of the first steps that I see a lot of people stumble with. And how can people, like, what are some relatively easy steps to try to make some inroads on these two problems? Yeah, I so I have five principles of pricing that I talk to folks about, all of which are intended to be very actionable. So the, the first is, really about understanding that price communicates value. So yes, there are definitely clients out in the world that are price sensitive, but the reality is, is most people on some level believe that you get what you pay for. So if you position yourself as the low cost consultant, you are, even if you don't intend to, positioning yourself as a lesser valuable consultant. And so understanding that to begin with is, you know, in getting that in getting that in your mindset that you're always communicating what your value is. And price is one of the main ways that people do that. 
And then the other is, you know, people often take a big confidence dive when they first start. So I generally see, you know, where the people get flubbed up with pricing, it's, you know, lack of confidence, it's fear, it's unexamined assumptions. And so I always tell people, expect that your confidence is going to decrease because you're doing something brand spanking new that for most new consultants, you've never had to do. So just don't trust your lack of confidence. Go out and get input from people that know you, they know what you do, they know what your value is, and who are going to be honest with you. And that type of input will help you in many, many ways, but it will certainly help you figure out what the right price is. And then, you know, one that I know you talk about quite a bit, which is know your market. <laughs> you, this, this is one where you have to actually have to explore after you define what your specific market is or your specific niche. Don't allow any unexamined assumptions to guide your actions. So that's where you need to go out and have conversations with folks to find out if the price that you are creating is is actually something that the market is interested in. So is it is what you're offering valuable to them? Do they want to pay for it? And is that the right price? And to go out and have those conversations so you're not just making assumptions about your market, you're actually validating it. And then the last two I'll say quickly is, you know, also recognizing that your past is not your value today. So what people often do when they price is they take their last salary and they do, you know, mathematical calculations to turn it into an hourly rate. And my point is, aside from not defaulting to an hourly rate, how you got paid before has nothing to do with what you're going to do as a consultant because what you're what you charge as a consultant is about the value of what you can do for clients the results you can help them achieve and how they value that not you know what you did in your previous job because that how you got paid doing that was based on a whole bunch of different things and then the last thing as i mentioned which is the final principle is is how you charge. So the pricing model you use is as important as what you charge. And if you're going to define what your price is, you actually have to do those at the same time so that you don't just default to hourly billing because you think that's the only way to do it. And then it turns out, you know, you're both under pricing and you picked a pricing model that doesn't work for you. What's an example of somebody who has addressed one or more of these strategies and has has made some transformation in her or his business as a result. You bet. So I am working with one person. I'm I'm coaching her and we actually the first time we talked about price and we were talking about amounts we talked through something, we came up with something, she went to bed, she woke up the next morning and lowered her price. And nothing, had, like, I don't know what she dreamt about, but nothing had happened that would cause her to do that. So that, so we had to address the confidence issue. So what we inevitably did is there was a particular client that she was negotiating a contract with. We came up with, you know, not just the price, but the pricing model. So she was going to do a value-based pricing model, which is essentially you are charging for the value of the outcome for them. And we helped her figure out what questions to ask them to be able to ascertain what that was. We then tiered the pricing. So worked through until she was comfortable with three different levels of value, increasing in value, increasing in scope. And then along with that, of course, increasing in price 
how to talk with them about it, all of that good stuff that goes into actually being able to sell what you're doing and to be able to sell maximum value. And she was very successful. So often what happens is if you tear it, people will pick the middle one. Well, she was so good at how she presented it to them that they went with the top tier. So in her first three weeks as a consultant, she secured a $125,000 contract for work that she was very excited to do. Right. And that was her first three weeks in her business? (laughs) That was her first three weeks. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. She's a few months in. And she has since added a retainer to that contract. And she's a few months in, just, you know, nailed a a just about $76,000 contract. Wow. That's a great example. You know, did I help her? Absolutely helped her. She's also a rock star. So it was easy because she understood the concepts behind what we were doing. And she was willing to work with any time lack of confidence, you know, creeped up again. She was, she was willing to work with it and to recognize, yes, I see you. That's normal. But you know, there's, there's other inputs that I have to consider to this. Yeah. I can tell you, I see the lack of confidence playing out in so many ways with new new consultants and even experienced consultants, because when you're working inside a company, you have the social network built in already. You have people you can go to talk to whenever you're concerned about something, you are not responsible for every aspect of the company's business. You're only responsible for the part that you're working on. Very, very often people that become consultants are not responsible for business development. They're responsible for execution. So the whole marketing and sales piece is brand new to them. And you're right. If it's something that's brand new and you've never done before, it's pretty scary. Yeah. So this person was blessed by the fact that she's working with somebody like you. Most people that I come across are not working with anybody who can walk them through all these, these different elements. And they're lucky if they can get one out of the five steps that you mentioned and get a handle on it. Do you have any tips for people as they're kind of, um, I don't know, I would say it's kind of like fumping around trying to figure out how to make this business work, how to figure out what it is they're actually going to offer. There's so many issues that new consultants have, but if they don't have a resource like you, what are some other ways that they can get some help and figure out how to make at least make some inroads and start making enough money so they feel comfortable and confident in their business? Yeah, it's so I would say the main thing is if now, there is more help out there today than there has been previously. There's me, there's you, there's there's other folks that that do this and and even offer like, you know, I have a pricing webinar that's that's free. So there are some free things out there you can tap into. But the most important thing is to sit down, sit down, systematically work through the key questions about how you are going to run a business as a consultant, because that's the thing is you have, you have expertise and you are, you know, you provide that expertise and that value, but you are also the CEO of a consulting business. And so you have to sit down and systematically go through that. And I would start with how it is you plan 
to define your value and what you can offer. So to look back at, and this helps with the confidence stuff, is to look back at, you can even use examples in your professional career where you've actually accomplished things or you contributed to something good happening. And to systematically go through that and say, what did I actually do and contribute that is sort of my unique contribution that I think would be helpful to other people and start to frame what some of that is and then think through the details of who do I think in what market and what niche, who would actually be willing to pay for that. And then before you get too far, go and have some conversations with folks in your market to test the validity of that so that you can also tweak it and not spend all of your time coming up with this whole complete thing, then take it out to the market and find out that there isn't a demand, meaning that people are willing to pay for it. So to have that just deliberate process and not just do what I think a lot of folks do, uh, which is kind of what I did at the beginning, which is, you know, you put up your shingle or, you know, I put up my shingle within a firm and then I just started going out and meeting with a ton of people. And then, you know, no surprise, I wasn't getting any business because I hadn't taken those deliberate steps and wrote them down on a piece of paper and tested them before I started going out and having conversations. So that's what I would do is just, you know, there's real key questions that you can ask yourself that you can spend time defining. If you skip that step, at some point, you're going to have to go back and do it. That's what I've seen over and over again. So don't skip that. Yeah, so, so have I. And, and w- what advice do you have for people that, because this is something I see all the time, even when they're willing to do the market research, especially if they have sold very little or nothing, they're afraid to just pick one niche and try to market that one niche. Yes. So they'll, they'll say, well, yeah, but you know, in my career, especially somebody who's worked for many years, like people that are like 30 years or more, and now they're starting a consulting business. Well, they may have done really well in multiple markets over the course of their career, and they have the skills to be able to do it now. Which market do they pick or do they try to market two or three different things at the same time? Yeah. So I'll answer two things. So one, in terms of the market you pick, I would pick and even the niche that you pick, I would pick where you have results that you can point to. Because ultimately, you know, consultants are buying results and you want to have examples that are related that you can actually point to. So when you go back and sort of do your forensic analysis of things that you've you've actually accomplished, that should guide that decision. But the other thing is, my experience is, is that until you niche down and you're able to say, this is this, the specific thing that I do for these specific folks, then you're going to send out signals into your market that are really confusing and unclear because nobody wants to hear. I didn't want to hear when I hired consultants, oh, I can do everything. I don't believe that. No one believes that because they know it's not true. So being able to, and this is when I started to get clients is when, you know, I do health care. Well, healthcare is a huge thing. So then I picked, you know, a very specific sector, a type of provider within healthcare. And then even within that, I picked what specifically, when I started to define what my value proposition, what specifically can I do for them? Because I can't do everything. Once I got that granular, then I knew what to go out and have conversations about. And that's when I started to get business. So, you know, and I've seen this repeatedly with other consultants is that's where the proof is in the pudding when you do it and you start to see it works. 
but then you're not locked into it. So I now have clients who are well beyond that sector who I'm doing, you know, some additional things for. They all tend to be within the the realm that I initially defined, uh, which is good for me because I can constantly get better at it. I can, you know, reuse and repurpose tools, but you don't get stuck in there but you got to start somewhere and you want to start somewhere where you know then how to go out and talk to prospects about what you do in a clear, coherent way that matches what they want solved. Sounds great. Deb, we've talked about some really important issues, especially for people just starting out in their consulting business. If someone wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed or get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to go? You got it. Yeah, definitely. The place to go is is craftofconsulting.com and you can go two places. So there's a button you can click that says get help. And if you go there, you can see the various ways that, that, that I can help folks, including some free trainings. Pricing is one of those. How to be a consultant is another, as well as you know some of the other ways that I help. If you really want just some free tools to get started, go to my website and, and click start here. And that's where you'll get things like uh, email sequences for reaching out to your network. You'll get you know tips and scripts for dealing with tricky client conversations and a host of, of other uh, free tools that can at least help you get kickstarted when there's particular things you're struggling with. Sounds good. And is there a special offer that you'd like to make for this audience? Yeah, you bet. So I actually have an online course called Get More Consulting Business Faster, and it takes you step-by-step and provides you with a slew of tools on how it is that you get consulting clients. And if you do everything that it says, you should have your client by the end of it, at least one. And so I would love to offer your audience 25% off. And all they have to do is use the code FAST. And I will um, send you a link that they can use to actually get to that course. And if they use the coupon code FAST, they'll get 25% off. Good. And we will include the link in the show notes. Um, I want to thank you so much, Deb, for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo and share your insights. My guest today has been the CEO of Craft of Consulting, Deb Zahn. Thank you again, Deb, for joining us. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode, along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to start, build, and grow your consulting business. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode. Thank you.